What did you see, old man? Gujira. 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 I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and look for a silver lining. And Andy, would That's you like what to we do? Yeah, sorry. Would you like to tell the people what we are watching and reviewing today? Uh, this week we watched Godzilla from the '90s, and it was a movie. It was. Um, <laughs> it was definitely a movie. It was definitely from the '90s. All of that is very all, accurate. All of that is very true. Um, one thing I will say, so obviously, if there's one thing that you remember about the Godzilla movie, it is uh, the P. Diddy featuring Jimmy Page Come With Me song mm-hmm. from the soundtrack. Um, and I watched that video almost immediately afterwards. And the video is bananas. And it's <laughs> really better than the movie in a lot of ways. All right. Well, this um, has been Silver Linings Playback. We found it. So <laughs> watch the P. Diddy video on YouTube, save yourself two hours, and uh, yeah. all right, t- see you next week. <laughs> we did it. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, actually, the the version that is on Netflix has updated special effects. It does? Watching the video. Yeah, it does. Oh. Um, it's the, the Netflix version special effects are significantly better than the, the P. Diddy video, which was using clips from the movie. <laughs> That's exciting. That's a good tip to know. Uh, yeah. By the way, I, I do, I love this, speaking of Netflix, uh, which we're not endorsing, that's just is where we both watched this movie for free, but I did appreciate, for those of you, if you're curious, the official Netflix description of this film is as follows. A team of experts, including a biologist and two scientists, must stop an oversized lizard from destroying all of Manhattan. I, I That's, yeah. I feel like that intern was being a little sarcastic. <laughs> When uh, doing the data entry for Netflix, but I think suitable. That's a that is the description of that movie. No, that is is right on. I okay. So let, let's figure out where we stand on this movie. We we tend to to come out negative and end positively on this show, but let's get a baseline. <laughs> yeah. Um. And speaking of that, uh, the IMDb quick synopsis of the movie oh yeah might be might be just as better okay might be just 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 as better better. just as better (laughs) Uh, a giant reptilian monster surfaces leaving destruction in its wake as it strides into new york city to stop it an earthworm scientist his reporter (laughs) ex-girlfriend and other unlikely heroes team up to save the city (laughs) yeah Somehow more thorough and still not really, <laughs> not really getting it. Yeah, I. Yeah, okay. So this is yeah. So there's a movie uh, by Roland Emmerich. Yeah, uh, of Independence Day and Stargate fame. Yeah, and I think you can see some uh, some of that Independence Day style in here. We got an ensemble of colorful characters coming together to face some sort of threat. There's no Bill Pullman speech, unfortunately. No. Which, uh, and, and I, obviously, I mean, look, 
it's a disservice to this movie to even begin comparing it to Independence Day, which is uh, a, a far superior movie. But I will say maybe it's nostalgia for the 90s. Maybe it's just we've been watching <laughs> a lot of particular kind of bad movies. I, I kind of had fun with this one. Yeah, I, I did too. I mean, I remember this is one of the earliest movies I can remember going to see in the theater and be like, man, this is bad. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, I definitely have... Not to say, I mean, I'm sure I've seen other bad movies, but this is a movie that I saw, like, not expecting it to be terrible and then being like, oh, no, this is bad. No, this movie was super hype. Like, this was supposed to be, I mean, it's kind of like the new Godzilla. It was supposed to be a huge uh, summer tentpole movie that would launch a franchise. I mean, that's pretty clear in this movie that they were hoping uh to to really begin an american godzilla franchise an idea so delicious that they would come back around to it <laughs> i'm gonna say i like the new godzilla universe movies for the most part i will go on record as saying i love kong skull island like that is a delightful movie that uh it just is is really good and i think what it realized and what this movie the parts of this movie that are successful i think are is that like a godzilla movie to make it work it's got to be about the characters you know we we need to care about the people because it's at the end of the day it's a giant lizard (laughs) destroying a city yeah and uh that only has so much mileage yeah that's fun for a little while (laughs) but especially with a two hour this movie has a two hour running time and i don't know why uh yeah i they got to uh madison square garden with a good 40 some minutes left in the movie and i because there's another one where my memory because i also saw this movie in the theater i would have told you it ended at madison square garden uh which is maybe that's the good benchmark of wherever you think a movie ended that you saw decades ago, that's where it should have ended. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I can I can vouch equally for that. Um But yeah, it um The biggest thing is that it's really not a Godzilla movie. No, well i would say the best description of it is that it is a poor knockoff of a Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, no, the 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 third act, I guess, if you want to call it, is a Jurassic Park movie, except with tiny Godzilla babies instead of raptors. Yeah, it's it's exactly the same as raptors. Yeah, they behave exactly like raptors. It's a lot like the end of uh, the the first Jurassic Park movie, but perhaps more like the Jurassic World movie. It's mm-hmm. it, it feels like, you know, a very inferior, re- like both the special effects aren't as good. It's not as fun. I did laugh out loud and appreciate when Matthew Broderick, our protagonist, uh, managed to slow down some baby Godzillas with gumballs and basketballs. That was good stuff. Yes, quality. Also, when he psychologically tricked some baby Godzillas into not attacking him while on the elevator. And then there's this genius that Matthew brought Then there's the scene where he, there's the hallway with where the baby Godzillas are chasing him through one door. And then he runs out a different door across the hallway and they're after him. And then next time he runs out that like they run out the door first and he's chasing them. 
and then he's carrying the reporter and they're like running from Godzilla. Yeah. That, that was good stuff. Some good quality Scooby-Doo action. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I also, hey, look, like to st- stay positive at the beginning, there is not one, not two, but three Simpsons actors who appear in this That's film. True. And that yeah. was exciting for me because straight up, uh, Harry Shearer is just Kent Brockman in this movie. Like he's uh-huh. not playing it any different. <laughs> he's doing the Kent Brockman voice. He's as much of a dick as Kent Brockman is, which is as much of a dick as Harry Shearer is in real life. So it's, you know, an interesting uh, life imitating art, imitating life. Yeah, and uh, Hank Azaria, one of the other Simpsons actors that's in the movie, yeah, Hank is, is doing like a a Mo character. Yeah, Even pretty at much. At one point, he goes, "Ah, jeez." Yeah, he's New York everyman. <laughs> he spends a lot of the movie telling characters <laughs> which New York streets they should be taking to get to destinations. Uh, it's a good quality bit, and also he's got a wife that he has a very '90s relationship with. Um, yeah. So there's that. And then uh, Blink and You'll Miss Her, uh, Nancy Cartwright, uh, also works at the TV station that both Hank Azaria and Harry Shearer are at. I think she has a yeah. line of dialogue. Something. One or two. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as uh, they're doing the classic bit of character is oblivious to giant monster walking by the window of their skyscraper. Uh, she she delivers some dialogue to be like, hey, maybe notice that giant monster walking by the the window of this skyscraper. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I will point out one of the worst things about this movie. <laughs> a, a, a list that is is quite expansive, uh, but that the mayor of New York is Mayor Ebert. Mm-hmm. And his assistant is named Siskel. <laughs> and they both they both look somewhat like Siskel and Ebert. And um, they're putting the movie as like a petty shot by Roland Emmerich because his other movies didn't get good reviews. Yeah. Um, this movie Ebert also did not get good, did not review. get good reviews. Yeah. Um, Ebert, the actual Roger Ebert, the film critic, um, in his review, he commented on it and he said, you know, it's like you had a chance to squash me by Godzilla and you didn't take it. So that's yeah. just a misfire on your part. And I, I, it's funny too, because I think the best example of this ever is gremlins Two, which, uh, did that essentially that like, you know, had the first gremlins got terrible reviews. Uh, so they actually cast, uh, why am I blanking on his name? The film critic, um, Gene Shalit. No, Leonard Malton. Leonard Malton. Thank you. Uh, they cast Leonard Malton to be Leonard Malton critiquing the movie within the... Mo- it's a very meta movie. <laughs> but it, then he's I a- love Gremlins 2. No, Gremlins 2 is amazing. It's way better than the first Gremlins. But uh, Malton is actually attacked by Gremlins uh, while <laughs> take, you know taking shots at the how terrible the movie right. is. Yeah, that's the way you do it. And consummate professional Roger Ebert. Of course, that was his take is like, I don't mind that you, you know, did a satire of me in the movie, but make it good. Yeah, like go all the way. Go for it. Also, fun fact, because it was really bugging me. The guy who is the Roger Ebert stand in is also the evil boss in Elf. So, ah. yeah. <laughs> nice. So that was good. That was good stuff. Um so I don't think this counts as a silver lining. Um, 
But one thing that I did sort of appreciate about the movie is, like, I wouldn't say the CGI was even good by the time standards. It was not. Um, but one area that I thought the CGI was successful um, was it felt like Godzilla had weight and it felt like it was in the space. Yeah. Whereas a lot of times, like, usually one of the earmarks of poor CGI uh, is it, it looks like it's just sort of floating on top of the screen. Yeah. Or on top of the image. And Godzilla didn't do that in this movie, though. It was, it looked, it definitely didn't look like real. And I mean, obviously, we've come so much further with, you know, CGI technology and everything. But the just the fact that, like, it, for this CGI character, it did look like it had weight. It looked like it was in the spaces that it was in. Uh, and that was something I appreciated. Uh, that could have been the updated CGI of the Netflix version, but. Either way, um, yeah, that was that was that was something. I would also uh, immediately undercut that by saying I really hate the way that they designed Godzilla in this movie. Oh yeah, it's a terrible. De- like I actually really do enjoy the new Godzilla uh, model, you know, but this one mm-hmm. is just weird and like bulky in the wrong spots and just like it's not a good design. Yeah, it's it's it looks too much like an animal, but at the same time, not like any animal that ever existed. Yeah, and it it doesn't really move in a way that makes a lot of sense for how it looks. Uh, also, what is going on in this movie? Can we take a moment to go like, why is so much of the movie about how stealthy Godzilla is and Godzilla's ability? To, you know, infamously, Godzilla, if Godzilla is good at one thing, it's subtlety and hiding nuance yeah yeah like they really focus a lot of time they they lose godzilla multiple times in new york and the weird thing is like when godzilla's on screen for the most part the size is pretty consistent it would seem um you know a little spoilers for future episodes there uh, there's a movie we'll be talking about in a few weeks that uh size consistency is a huge flaw in the movie but um, at the same time, there's no way that Godzilla could vanish in New York City as big as it was. Well, a lot of the logic is that Godzilla is hiding in the subway, which also doesn't make sense. I don't know how Godzilla is getting into the subway. Right, because the subway, the biggest like, subway openings are like in the outer boroughs when the subway comes up above ground. And that's not where Godzilla was. He wasn't hopping over to Queens to sneak back into Manhattan. That wasn't... No. No, Godzilla is, you know, classic, just white collar. Like, Godzilla oh, yeah. is not leaving Manhattan in this movie. No. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, I, he didn't even get above the park, so I mean, no. he wasn't... He's, he's, a, he's a total downtown cat, 100%. Um, There's also... Full on downtown. Somehow Godzilla in this movie gets into Madison Square Garden with no one noticing, which that I'm truly baffled by. Without absolutely destroying Penn Station, I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, it just fits in there somehow and lays 200 eggs, I believe is the count. Asexually. Asexually uh, lays 200 eggs uh, so that we can get the aforementioned... uh, Raptor scenes. Raptor scenes. (laughs) And hijinks. But would it surprise you to know, Andy, that one of those baby Godzilla survives at the end? 
considering I've seen the movie, no, it wouldn't. But <laughs> because sorry for the spoilers for a 20 or 32 year old, 22 year old movie. Just know if you watch it that they're setting up for that sequel. So uh, it definitely happened. Uh, we definitely got more Godzilla movies in the Matthew Broderick verse. Yeah. Uh, so here's an interesting thing. Um, this movie actually made decent money overseas in markets where the Japanese Godzilla movies didn't really exist. So this was a lot of people's only version of Godzilla. <laughs> that's, and they en- <laughs> that's really sad, actually. <laughs> um, and all these people were wondering why the the sequels never came. Mm-hmm. You know, because this movie set up so much for a sequel and yada, yada, yada. They were watching it just going like, God, I, you know, I really love what's happening. This is so good. Here's a crazy thought. Stay with me. Uh, having just watched this movie, what if in the sequel there was some other giant creature that Godzilla could do battle with? Is that something? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That's that's a wild idea. <laughs> yeah. I, which also, by the way, I mean, to me, that's the fun. I, and I think like that... I, I, I am in, in, by no means an aficionado, aficionado of classic Godzilla movies, but my memories of them are always the Godzilla fighting other monsters mm-hmm. is what's fun. Yeah, it's and that's the other thing, like Godzilla in every incarnation, even in the first one, which is, you know, not not as campy as a lot of them. It's actually a really great like the original Japanese Godzilla is I think worth going out of your way to see. It's like a really fantastic movie. Makes really a lot of great social commentary about nuclear pro- proliferation and um, American imperialism and things like that. Some um, so it's like, for some reason that stuff didn't really make it into. We get a few lines about uh, mutated worms, uh, and then we yeah. drop the radiation commentary. And definitely, there is no American imperialism <laughs> commentary no. to be made. Not not one iota. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in all the movies, even in the original, in all of the ones where he's fighting whatever monster he's fighting, um, it's always fun. And Godzilla always is somehow simultaneously an animal and a force of nature, but also has like a soul and a conscience. Yeah. And that was something that the Godzilla monster in this movie lacked entirely. It was... Yeah, this Godzilla, this Godzilla has no personality. And it's weird, too, because Matthew Broderick uh, is not an action hero lead. He's a sort of like smart guy lead. And so you feel like with him as the protagonist that he should be going like, no. And it, they, they sort of half-heartedly do this, but the idea should be like, don't kill the monster let's reason with it or let's try to communicate with it or understand it but it doesn't commit to that idea and godzilla has no personality and then also broderick is the one like leading the charge of like let's kill all of godzilla's children so yeah kill all the babies so by the end like understandably it's just godzilla trying to chase down their car that is somehow driving faster than godzilla which is nonsense because they've also established that Godzilla is very fast in this movie. Yeah. There's also fast. There's also no traffic in New York City in this movie. <laughs> Not even uh, unless it's for the tunnels to get out to try to escape Godzilla. They yeah. Everyone tried to get out of the tunnels, but downtown where everyone is trapped, no one's in their car. No, not not a soul, <laughs> whether it's a cab or a car. Yeah. Um, just just yeah. no traffic ever. And in fact, there's so 
few cabs in <laughs> New York City that Jean Renault can just like pretend to be a cab driver to kidnap Matthew Broderick and there are no other cabs to pick him up. So, yeah. Uh, but I think that's a nice segue into I think one of my silver linings for this movie is Jean Renault. Yes, 100 percent. Jean Renault is a one of my favorite 90s character actors and so him showing up everything that he touches in this movie is immediately better i think i think my favorite moment is uh when they're trying to sneak onto the military base and all the french <laughs> secret service guys are chewing gum to look more american yes and it works yeah and, <laughs> and then he's just so great and he, and does, he does an does- elvis impression when the the guard is skeptical that he's not speaking so his only american accent is elvis presley yeah, that's good God, stuff. God, it works. It's no, so, like that. That was great. Yeah, no, he's he's really great, and I it, like he has a kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger quality in the beginning, where it, he's it, and it turns out to be a cover, but he's explaining that he's an insurance agent, and you're like, come on, like come you on. are not an insurance agent in a Hollywood movie. Like, stop it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I think a trend that we've been sort of doing on the show is saying that like people that know the movie that they're in are often a silver lining. Oh, for sure. John Renault knows what movie he's in. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Matthew Broderick might too. I actually I enjoy Matthew Broderick in this. Like he's he's pretty. He knows when to be silly. Uh, he doesn't give a lot of like weight to the movie like emotionally. No. Uh, but you know, so he doesn't carry it in that sense. But he's good at like the other stuff. I, the, the thing that doesn't really work with Broderick and I don't know whose fault it is. It's hard to say, but like there's, I understand what they were going for. And I don't even think it was a bad idea of his ex-girlfriend is trying to be a reporter. And then she ends up like inadvertently, like really screwing him over and then doesn't even get the story because Harry Shearer steals it. That, that is a good idea. And I could see why it was in the movie, but I, it didn't work for some reason. Like it didn't land, at least for me. No, Maybe you didn't. felt, yeah. I, I like, I and I like her. I think they're both charming. I was even, I didn't like, you know, I, I didn't feel negative towards her for yeah. This for movie, doing she, it. um, uh, the actress that played his love interest. Did actually win the Razzie for worst actress that year. That and that is completely ridiculous. Like she's um, Maria Patillo is her name. Yeah, no, she is delightful. I I have no issues with her performance. Like I same. Yeah. Um, and that this movie kind of killed her career before it started. That's a bummer. No, she's adorable. I like I like her in this movie. I honestly, what's weird is I think that her and. Hank Azaria actually have better chemistry than her and Matthew Broderick. Like I'd agree with that. Yeah. Cause the scenes where he's just sort of platonically encouraging her to keep going after the story. I, I think I enjoyed more than anything about the actual relationship with her and Matthew Broderick. Um, yeah, that was, uh, and, and Hank Azaria, he's someone I thought like could have been a bigger star than he was, but I think he was sort of happy doing his thing and well, stayed in his lane probably more than he could have. That's what's interesting about, and I think why it feels so notable to have three Simpsons actors in this movie is because I think they all make so much money off of doing the Simpsons. Yeah. And obviously at this point have such like a 
you know, Harry Shearer records from his house. Like they all have a pretty sweetheart deal of doing that show and they all make so much from that show that I think they, most of them just stopped acting in other things. Hank Azaria yeah. has more of a career than anyone else. Uh, but like, and you know, you still see um, Dan Castellaneta pop up in things sometimes, but it's really about them. Like no, none of the other actors for whatever reason, you know, like finding a Yardley Smith or a Nancy Cartwright on screen appearance in any recent anything thing. after 1995, probably. Yeah. So yeah, I just side tangents, <laughs> but but definitely a silver lining in this movie because I really like all of those actors and I I like when they show up in things. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean Harry Shearer, yeah, but <laughs> I mean I like some I like a lot of the stuff he's done. Oh yeah, I mean he was in Spinal Tap, so yeah, like, he, <laughs> obviously, uh, great stuff. But he was uh, handsome Dan. Yeah, he was also handsome Dan in Wayne's World too, which might be his best work. Honestly, oh, there's no might about it. <laughs> Does that count as a bad movie? I would love to review Wayne's World too. That's I it. don't know if it. I I love that movie. Yeah, we could do an I mean, unnecessary sequels. Sequels month. that could be a thing that we do uh, as we go forward. Unnecessary oh. sequels is prime for Silver Linings playback material. I think. <laughs> I think we'd have to watch um, Airplane too, though. And probably Caddyshack too. But enough about future <laughs> episodes. Um, All right, so let's let's see where we're at. So we we're definitely defending. I think we're both pro. Uh, and I already forgot her name, but the actress who did no wrong in this movie and did not deserve a Razzie. No, she did not deserve a Razzie. She did not deserve her career. Maria Patillo is her name. Yeah, no, she's great. Uh, justice for Maria Patillo for sure. Justice uh, for Maria Patillo. Uh, Jean Renault, always great to see. The 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 soundtrack slaps. I I would the soundtrack slaps. I would temper that by saying that I remembered how great the soundtrack was, and I was a bit bummed that they really don't use the soundtrack more in the movie. Like I would have yeah. really enjoyed using pop music instead of like a traditional score for this movie, especially with the '90s nostalgia that was really working for me. I and it was great too because watching it with Molly, like her face really lit up when. You go to the cheesy, the last baby Godzilla is still alive, and then you immediately hit the P. Diddy. Uh, like, that's great. You know, that's, yeah. that's exactly what you want. No, I, I remember, because I, I bought the soundtrack back in the day, definitely. You know, I, I definitely... Saw the movie. And I, I was like, this movie is bad, but I, I, I copped the soundtrack for sure. Which was such a, a 90s thing. I bought a lot of soundtracks to movies oh, yeah. that are not good. Uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, but you know, this, I bought this, I remember it was in my, did you have one of the, the zipper? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Of course know, I did. To, yeah. to drive around, you have to have all of your CDs in one. Uh, no, no one who's young has any idea what we're talking about. They're also not listening to this episode, so it's fine. Maybe they accidentally played it thinking that we were going to talk about the, the more recent Godzilla, which is no, pretty is... good all around. I, the the first just Godzilla is good. King of King of the Monsters I really liked. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, it was fun. But yeah, I'm happy I mean, to see more of those movies. I think that's a good. They successfully created a franchise. They they did, which did not happen here. <laughs> not even a little bit. Uh, um, but yeah. So if you've never seen Jurassic Park or any other Godzilla movie, I could see you definitely enjoying <laughs> the idea of a giant lizard. 
uh, chasing people. a city. Yeah, it's good stuff if you've never seen it before. It's definitely done better in other movies. Yeah, it's this is not the best example, but it's fun. Um, it never... This is one of those instances where a movie might have actually benefited from taking itself like a little bit more seriously. You think? Or going or going all the way and like this is nonsense. I yeah. think it, like it 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 tried to like ride the balance beam. I think it could have used more like for me and again this is now <laughs> watching it yeah. in hindsight where it was never going to age well anyway. I would have liked more comedy and I I do think a lot of the comedy falls flat. Like there's a whole runner of a joke that they clearly thought was gold of just the fact that well first of all matthew broderick plays uh, a greek character in this movie which is in and of itself insane casting but uh there's a lot of hilarity at the mispronunciation of his not very difficult to pronounce name yes it's nico tatopoulos it's not hard to say now i'm i think like the greek people that i know in my life most of them have probably slightly more complex names than that. Yeah, I mean, I have cousins who are Stravopolises, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, like, so... Again, to me, like, when, you know, the the gumballs and the basketballs are tripping up dinosaurs, I, I could... I Honestly, I think this movie would have benefited... The biggest problem is Matthew Broderick doesn't really... His character is nothing. He's not terribly good at being a protagonist... And, yeah. and I think if like, and that's not a knock on Browder because he did what was written in the script. It's just that like, it, again, this is by the guy who made Independence Day. He's not like Jeff Goldblum, who's like, I'm here with a different perspective than all of you have. And actually, I'm smarter than all of you. And I'm going to offer a, a nonviolent you know, cerebral solution to this, which seems like what he should be doing. But instead it's just like, I also want to kill this thing, but differently. Yeah. Like maybe this movie needed that gung ho military guy. Yeah. Like sort of the foil for Matthew Broderick. Yeah. like, and, But still have Jean Reno doing exactly what Jean Reno did. No, Jean Reno, again, both his performance and his character work better than anything else in this movie. And the fact that he's like secretly saving the day while no one else is noticing and in fact going out of his way to make sure that it is not known that he was involved. That stuff's really good. But yeah, I'm with you. Like maybe Ebert really needed to be way more evil and willing to sacrifice New Yorkers to to save the rest of them. Like you really could have gone all in on that of just like maybe there were, you know, a particular part of the city that he's more comfortable with destroying cuz like it won't affect his like just make him that guy. Like yeah, go you, all in on that. And yeah, have him wanting to nuke Godzilla or something, you know. Yeah. And Browder um, being like, "No, different." Also, the babies thing isn't really doesn't really work for me. It does just seem like an excuse to do a bad Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, that's that's all that was. I don't care about Godzilla fighting, or you know, a Godzilla movie where most of it is fighting the offspring of Godzilla rather than the giant monster. Like you go to you go to see Godzilla movies to see a giant monster destroy things. Like that's yeah. And again, Godzilla should be a blunt object. You know, that, biting the head off the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. You know, just crushing, you know, the 
Washington Square Park, the arch in Washington Square Park, and like, you know, all that stuff. Which is weird because this movie is made by a guy who's famous for blowing up the White House. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you would think he, of all people, would have known that we want to see Godzilla destroy recognizable New York monuments. Right. But he does not, apparently. Nope. nope. Except we do blow up uh, Madison Square Garden. That's true. Which Hank Azaria is very upset about. Because, you know, he's a big... The Knicks were good back then, so I get it. You know? <laughs> I mean, that was Ewing and Oakley and Starks. Like, those were good Nick teams. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for those Michael Jordan Bulls, you know, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. I, I also... There's a... The, Okay, I'm just really... I know we got to get... We're running out of time and we, we should be focused on silver linings, but I don't think we properly vented at the beginning because, like, so much of this movie, in addition to Godzilla being stealth, is about trapping Godzilla in New York City, which also makes no sense because Godzilla famously just comes out of the water and attacks a city. I, I don't understand the idea of, like, if we close off the tunnels, then we'll trap Godzilla in yeah. Manhattan. Like, no, you won't. That's not how any of this works. Yeah, this is it's one of those things when you're trying to make a movie off of pre-existing property. You know, there's there's too much fan service and then there's too little fan service. And this movie is definitely on the too little fan service side of things. Yeah, like you said, I it's not fun enough to be fun and it's not serious enough to be like a different take on it. It's just sort of middle of the road. Like it, it's it's not unwatchable. I think it like I said, I I feel like to, to swing back to Silver Lining, I think what it does best is a lot of the character stuff, like just with Jean Renault and just like with, even though I didn't like think that Matthew Broderick, the love story really worked, like all the characters are very well defined. I understand who they are. I understand what they want. Like they, I remember them. They're not just, you know, a lot of times if you're doing like an ensemble, it's easy to be like, who's that guy again? What's his thing? But like you, you know who everyone is uh, pretty easily. And they they're they feel like characters that should be in this movie. It's it's more just like really it's the Godzilla and the the overall plot that aren't great. <laughs> Which yeah. Godzilla's not great in a Godzilla movie is a big flaw. But that's the, that's that's about as glaring a flaw as you could have. Um so I, I think our the soundtrack slaps, that's a huge plus for this movie. All right, yeah, let's recap. Soundtrack slaps. Like that got sixteen ninety nine out of me when <laughs> In 1998 or whatever the CD cost. Oh, for sure. There's a chance I accidentally bought it at Walmart and then was really mad that it was edited and <laughs> maybe bought it yes. twice. <laughs> who can yeah, say? It's, who can say? Um, Jean Renault is a huge silver lining for this movie. He's absolutely yeah. great. Every time he's on screen, it's it's uh, a ray of sunshine and a breath of fresh air. Not one, not two, but three Simpsons actors on screen. In rare non-voice roles it, yeah in live action and um i think that's about it <laughs> I, I think i think that's it is, is, is true silver linings um you know who knows if this had been a success what could have happened but i don't think anything interesting i would have watched this godzilla fight a king kong yeah i will i mean for sure yeah but. i mean why not right right <laughs> I mean, I think you basically do in the movie uh, Rampage is basically what that movie is. So <laughs> maybe we should have done Rampage. 
Maybe we should have done Rampage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, missed the boat here. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you want to talk about things that slap. That Rampage video game uh, spent Oof. many hours. Just many, many hours. Punching the side of buildings and eating and people eating in bathtubs. People. Yeah. <laughs> and then not noticing it was an open electrical socket and electrocuting myself. Every time. Who was your? Did you, did you go for King Kong? That that was who I always I, liked. I, I was I was always uh, Ralph the Wolf. You like the my Wolf? Go-to. Yeah, I refuse to learn their fake names. <laughs> yeah, it was George, Ralph, and Lizzie. You know that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. So keep looking for that silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> and. Justice, what was her name again? Oh, Justice for Maria Patillo. Justice for Maria Patillo! Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question Are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We have have to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.